Welcome to Study the Word Podcast with your host, Dr. Marty Mento. Together we will discover wisdom that leads to salvation and spiritual growth. Here with today's Bible teaching is your host, Dr. Marty Mento. Well, thank you once again, Randy, and welcome to the all-new Study the Word Podcast. And uh, if you have your Bibles with you today, uh, we're going to be turning, first of all, to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. And uh, if you've been following along in this series, we are talking about the Hope of Heaven series. Uh, And in this series, there's a lot of great things that uh, truly we are blessed to learn. But at the same time, it is challenging at times because there is much that takes place within the Word of God that I've already spoken to quite a few people who have been listening to the broadcast, things that they really did not realize were there in the Word of God. And I've been mentioning this for weeks that, uh, you know, all Christians really should take the time to really study uh, the book of Genesis, especially chapter 3, and to really get a grasp and a handle on the fall itself and what exactly took place, because there, I believe, is just a lot of confusion that goes on today when it comes to understanding um, why man is in the situation or the condition that man is in. Um, it is because of the fall that took place uh, in the garden. And so what I want to do is I want to, as we bring this message, the hope of heaven, remember we've been talking about one word with four letters, and that word is hope. And our responsibility as believers is to bring the gospel message, a message of hope, to a world that is lost. And you know as well as I do that God is a God of hope. The gospel message is a message of hope. Our responsibility is to be ambassadors, to go into the world representing our Lord, our Savior, our King Jesus, and telling the world that there is hope for them. Now, again, not just hope in the present circumstance that we may be in in our lives, the difficulties, the challenges, the heartaches, all that goes with this life in which we live here on the earth. And I was just talking to a couple earlier today You know, some people really are going through some very, very difficult and challenging times. And we don't want to downplay that, and we want to bring them hope. But the bigger picture is all of us someday will face uh, the same thing, and that is death. And what takes place after death and where we will spend eternity. And what mankind needs is truly hope. They need to understand that God has provided a way and a means for us to be with him in all eternity, for us to experience no more pain, sorrow, you know, heartache, and no more sin, no longer being affected by the things that have affected us in this world because of what happened in the garden. But at the same time, we do believe, based upon God's holy word, the Bible, that people who do not believe and do not put their faith and trust in his Son, Jesus Christ, and him alone, for their salvation, that actually what is ahead in the future will be worse than it is here on this earth. I mean, we look at this earth and what is happening right now, and we wonder to ourselves, I mean, can it get any worse? Could it be any, uh, you know, worse than it is right now? And the answer to that question is yes. For those who will spend eternity away from the presence of God in a place called hell, where there is constant torment, where there is constant suffering that will never end, is going to be much, much worse than we could ever expect from anything here 
that we face on earth. So once again, one word with four letters that we want to bring to the world around us, and that is the gospel message, the good news of hope. Now, if you've been following this podcast, you realize that so far we have talked about two of the letters in the word hope. The first letter has been H, and we have talked about that the holy God of heaven, God is holy. He is pure. He's without sin. There is nothing dark about him at all. There's nothing wrong with him. He is God, and man is not. Man was created in innocence, but yet man fell in the garden. Man sinned, disobeyed God. And now man, every man that is born, every child that comes into this world is born a sinner. And as a sinner, they will sin. They are guilty before a holy God, the holy God of heaven. And then last time we got together, we talked about the O in the word hope. And that is when God himself, who is holy, he offers his grace to all men who are sinners. He offers his grace. And we talked about what grace is. Grace is truly God's unmerited favor. It's God's blessing. It's his kindness. It's the kindly disposition towards man in the mind of God. But he demonstrates that kindness, that love, by sending his only begotten son into the world so that through his son man may truly experience and have the grace that will save him, that will deliver him. And we talked about that last time here on this podcast. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to continue in that word, hope, and we're going to look at the letter P. Now, when we look at the letter P, we have to understand that God's grace brings sinful man hope by promising them two things. And the first thing that he promises in with the letter P is peace with God himself. Peace with God himself. And that comes through his son, Jesus Christ. There is no other way for us to gain peace with God. And many people don't understand the fact that when we talk about the word peace, we're really talking about reconciliation. We're talking about bringing back together that which has been separated. See, grace means that you can be in harmony with God instead of being God's enemy. And if you listen to the last podcast, and as we will share here in a few moments from now, you see in the scriptures that we truly are as sinners, men who are born sinners, we are at enmity with God. We are against God. We, we don't love God. We don't want to serve God. We want to serve ourselves and live for ourselves. And we are actually defined by God as his enemy. And it's because of sin in which has separated us from God. That's why I said we're going to start in Genesis chapter 3. Actually, we're going to go in Genesis chapter 2, and I'll tell you why. Because in Genesis chapter 2, you will see that God formed man from the dust of the earth, and that he breathed into man life. And we are told that um, in Genesis chapter 2, that God commands man in verse 16, God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of knowledge and of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Now, we know that the story goes on. Man did eat. Actually, Eve, his wife, had eaten first, and then she gave to her husband, and he also ate And the bottom line is their eyes were open. They recognized their nakedness. Uh, Sin beginning to run rampant in their minds and their heart. 
and they began to cover themselves with the leaves, and, and there was shame, and, and we could go on. There's so much that is there in that picture. But then we come to chapter 3, and we get to verse 8, and it says, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid themselves, as it tells us in verse 10, when they are confronted by God. They said, we heard thee walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And then we go from there realizing that man has disobeyed God. Now, as we read the story, we must understand stuff. God knows all things. He was aware of what would take place beforehand. He was aware of the fact of what had happened. But at the same time, this was the moment of confrontation, a moment which he was confronting Adam, who is the head of the human race, about the sin that he, you know, the disobedience, to see what Adam would say. Well, you know as well as I do, we next have a picture of the blame shifting. And we begin to realize, no matter who we blame for our sin, truly sin comes from within. It comes from our lust that's within us. So man was created with the ability to sin against God, and man did that. He sinned against God. Adam is held responsible, and because of that, and because God is God, he is pure, he is holy, he is just, righteous, he told Adam, if you partake of this tree, you will surely die. And so now the death sentence is upon Adam and upon Eve. But the truth of the matter is they don't die immediately. They will die eventually, but the sentence of death is placed upon them. Now this is why truly there needs to be reconciliation, because sin separates us from God. And that is exactly what took place here in the garden. Sin separated man from God. And so what man needs more than ever before is man needs God's forgiveness. Now, I, I want to share this passage with you. I, this comes to mind quite often when I just think about my own life and I think about the reality of sin and the fact that we're born sinners and we're guilty before God. But it tells us here uh, in the Scriptures, listen very carefully to Psalms chapter 130, uh, starting with verse 3. If thou, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? I want you to think about that. If God would mark iniquities, if he would take an account, who could stand? Who could really stand before God and say, I'm not guilty? Well, you and I know by studying the scriptures, the only person that could do that is God's only begotten son, who was fully God and fully man, the God man we call him, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was without sin. But no human being on the earth truly could ever say that because all men are guilty. All men are sinners. But in verse 4, it tells us something as we read this here uh, as the psalmist writes. But he, listen to this. But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. See, when we sin against God, it goes back to the garden. Adam was afraid. Eve was afraid. They were hiding themselves from God. There's something interesting that will take place in the last days, and we're told about it in scriptures, that there will be a time when they will no longer fear God. And I believe that in these last days in which we live right now, 
that is the truth of the matter, that there is lacking from man towards God a fear of God. Now, for some people, a lot of people don't want to even talk about that because they would rather hold upon and stand upon the fact that God is love, and God is love. But as I've said before on these podcasts, what happens is we're not giving God. Truly, we're not painting the picture that God paints of himself through the scriptures of the reality of what God is all about, all of his characteristics, his attributes, painting the true picture of who God is. And so when we do this, what we do is we do harm to other people because they look at God as only being a God of love and not a God of justice, not a God that really should be feared because of the wrongdoing, of their sin against him. And as I mentioned before, a holy God that Scripture tells us, he must respond. He can't even look upon sin, but he must respond to sin. And he does so perfectly. He does so in righteousness. Uh, But man needs God's forgiveness. Without God's forgiveness, there is no hope. And that is something I I think, once again, that we have to understand the importance of this because um, if we don't acknowledge our sinfulness to God, if we don't recognize that we are sinners, then we won't seek after his forgiveness. And if we're not seeking after his forgiveness, then we believe that we're not guilty. Now, I I love what Psalms 103.10 says. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Because, see, if God has dealt with us uh, appropriately when we do sin, we would die immediately. That's why he said what's amazing about the story uh, with Adam and Eve is that when God pronounced the judgment before, he gave the warning. When they did sin against God, they did not immediately die. It's amazing that we don't immediately die because, again, God being holy, uh, God being pure, who cannot even look upon sin, he has to deal with sin. It is amazing by God's grace that he just does not take us out of the picture right away, that we don't immediately drop dead or fall dead or whatever the case may be or be swallowed up by God or be put to death by God in some way, shape, or form. But God's kindness, his grace, and his mercy— is what really brings us to a point of being able to understand that there is hope and that God is the one who's the God of hope. He is the one who gives us the opportunity so that we are able to truly find forgiveness and mercy within him and through him, especially through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the one who he sent in order for us to find that hope, to gain that forgiveness that we absolutely need. Uh, For instance, if we read in Psalms chapter 32, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms chapter 32. And in Psalms 32, we read these words in verse 1 and 2. Listen to these words in Psalms 32, 1 and 2. It says here, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. See, we sometimes forget about the goodness, the kindness, the mercy, the forgiveness of God. And without it, I mean, we again, we would all perish. We would all be finding ourselves separated from God in a place called hell. 
And again, this is a reality that God gives to us. Uh, For instance, listen to these words in the book of Colossians as Paul writes to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 1. I'll start with verse 13 and 14 here. For he delivered us from the domain of darkness. He transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You know, there is scripture reference after scripture reference that deals with God's forgiveness. If you go down a little bit further in verse 19, listen to this. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, meaning Jesus, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Listen to this. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, was made a minister. I want you to think about it. If you just take those verses 19 through 23 and really just dissect them and take them in and begin to look at them, we began to realize that it was God's good pleasure to send his son, but in his fullness, um, he came to this earth and he was still fully God. See, only God can truly forgive sins. Only God could have paid the penalty. Only God could have truly uh, been victorious over death, over the penalty that came upon man because of his disobedience, because of his sin. And we know that when Christ Jesus walked the face of this earth, he was fully God and fully man. He didn't stop being God. And he didn't become all man, all human, and, you know, no longer be God. He was continually the God-man. And that is something that sometimes, and and I could really get into this and teach a lot about this, because some people just don't understand, but actually we are warned in the last days that there, the one of the ways that we're able to tell when there are those who are false teachers, they will deny the deity and or the humanity of Jesus Christ. They will deny that Jesus came in the flesh, that he came from the Father. We call that the incarnation. They will deny the birth that we look at in simple terms. We, we look at the birth that took place, Mary, who was a virgin, who knew no man, and the Holy Spirit came upon her in a miraculous way. She was found with child, but she hadn't known a man. Um, This incarnation is of the utmost importance, but those who deny this, those who deny that Jesus truly was the Son of God, they deny that he is the Messiah that the Jews were waiting for, these are those who are part of the Antichrist. They're one of the Antichrists, but ultimately one day the Antichrist, one particular individual, will rear his head. But this is a part of the false teaching. And if you look and you study groups that are out there today, there are many who deny the deity of Jesus. They deny his humanity. Uh, they, they say all kind of things that are not biblical about Jesus. And I want to just encourage you out there as you are listening to this podcast to always remember that the folks who do this 
are truly not our brothers and sisters in Christ. They're not of us. They are a part of the spirit of the Antichrist. They are teaching things that are not true. But as we look at this, we begin to realize in this passage in Colossians chapter 1, 19 through 23, the fact is that God reconciled all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross through him whether things on earth or in heaven. So first of all, when we talk about peace, having that peace, that reconciliation, it began with God. So many people have their theology or their doctrinal beliefs wrong. They want to put man in control of all this. And it's not. It's God who began the good work. It is God who seeks after the lost sinner. It is God who does a work that only God can do. Uh, and so often we leave the responsibility or we want to give the glory to a man, to a human being. That's why today, if you are saved, if you are truly born again, you are a Christian, a child of God. It's not because of you. It's not because of your choice, your decision, your desire, your wantingness to be. It is because of God. And someday on this uh, podcast, we'll really break that down further to help you understand, because I really know that there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of confusion in our world today, and it is brought within the visible church by teachers who don't understand the Word of God. They don't understand the truth that is before them, but who is God. And, And matter of fact, even after you're a Christian, the Bible tells us it is God who's at work within you to will and to work for his good pleasure. And the truth of the matter is, it's God. He who began the work will continue it to its completion until you stand before him, and you will stand before him not guilty. And it is all because of what God has done. And as you look at this, he's made that peace with himself by sending his son Jesus Christ to die, to shed his blood on the cross. That is what God has done. God is not only the one who's initiated it, but God's plan is, in his, is all poured out onto man. His method was his son that would come forward. And as his son said, as Jesus said himself, uh, no one takes my life, but I lay my life down on my own initiative. He talked about how the father loves him because of his willingness to lay down his life uh, for those who we would call God's sheep, uh, those who would be belong to him, Um, who ultimately belonged to the Father, whose names were written down in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. There's so much to this, but all the glory goes to God. That's uh, That's my reason for saying as much as I'm saying right now. we got to remember this is what God... That's why God's grace is amazing. When we think about a God's grace, we think about what God has done. Let me for just a moment define forgiveness. And there's a lot of definitions that people will pour out there, but this one I really believe kind of just hits the nail on the head, especially biblically. Here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is defined as God lifting the sentence of condemnation upon Christians for their sins through the death of Jesus Christ on their behalf and no longer counts them guilty. Let me read that again. Forgiveness is defined as God lifting the sentence of condemnation upon Christians for their sins 
through the death of Jesus Christ on their behalf and no longer counts them guilty. Um, He brings this lifting of the consequence or the condemnation because these are men and women who belong to Christ, who ultimately belong to the Father. And the Father has given them to the Son. And we know that when we place our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone for our salvation, which is done by God's gift. Faith is a gift. We don't have faith within us. We're not born with faith. Faith is a gift that comes from God. We would call it theologically saving faith. But we know that when we place our faith, that gift, when we place the faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone, we are no longer underneath the sentence of condemnation. We are no longer guilty. We are no longer heading to hell. We are no longer going to be separated from God. And again, the reason why this has been done is because our sins through the death of Jesus Christ have been forgiven. Uh, We are no longer guilty. We stand no longer condemned. And this affords us peace with God so that we are no longer his enemies. Uh, Then we could talk about, you know, theologically, biblically, the understanding of adoption. We're adopted. It, It tells us in the passage here, although you were formerly alienated, hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. In other words, you were a sinner. You were a sinner who deserved rightfully, righteously, God's condemnation, his just punishment of being separated from him in his presence forevermore in a place called hell. Through his son, he's reconciled you. He has redeemed you. He has made peace through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And when you place your faith and your trust in him and him alone for your salvation, he is able to present you before God, the Father, holy and blameless and beyond reproach in verse 22. But we must continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast. We must continue not to be moved away from the hope of the gospel which they had heard, But what Paul's saying, he's not saying that someone could lose their salvation. What he's saying here is we have to stand fast upon that truth that we know, stand fast upon that which we truly have experienced, that we are no longer enemies, but we have become children of the living God, and it is by grace, it is through that gospel of hope that we have believed that we know that we're reconciled. We have peace with God. We are no longer an enemy of God's. And again, I cannot stress this enough. Matter of fact, if you open the Bible to page after page, and again, this is not an exhaustive study, but you will find all throughout Scripture the reality of this. Matter of fact, listen to this in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to chapter 8 in Romans. Turn over to chapter 8 for a moment. And as I'm turning here, I want to read to you verses 9 through 17. Now, this is kind of lengthy, but just listen carefully because it's powerful. Romans chapter 8, 9 through 17. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who indwells you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if you live by the Spirit, you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you've not received a spirit of slavery, leaving to fear again. Now see, again, prior to having the Holy Spirit within us, we should be fearful. Fearful that someday we'll have to give an account to a holy God. And guess what? Fearful knowing we are guilty. We have not kept God's commands. We have not been able to stand before him because, once again, going back to that passage of Psalms 130, verse 3, if God should mark iniquities, who could stand before him? Everyone would be guilty. But listen to us what this is saying. It says, for once again, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So we have these passages, and I'm going to give you one more too real quick. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, if you'll look with me for just a moment at verse 7. Ephesians 1, 7. And we read these words here in, in, as Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. And again, stressing the fact of what Christ has done. But listen, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. I love that passage there because it really gives us the whole entire picture. See, this is why men need to hear about the cross And why the cross? They need to hear about the shed blood because that brings to them truly the hope, a message of hope. See, hope is found only through the one who died on the cross and rose again. I think of that passage of Scripture that is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Listen to these words as Paul writes to the church at Corinth. Now, this is a church where, again, uh, the struggles, the difficulties of people um, claiming to be Christians at times who weren't, uh, people who were living by the flesh and not living by the Spirit. Uh, there was so much that was going on at the church of Corinth. But listen to Paul's letter here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18 through 21. Now, all things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. See, there's the key. How did God reconcile us to himself? Through his son, Jesus Christ, through his shed blood. And it says here, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, 
He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So there is forgiveness found through Christ, through the cross, through the shed blood. He's given us this ministry that we are to go into the world and we are to bring the word of reconciliation. In other words, we are to tell the world that there is hope. And that hope is found through a person. And that person is Jesus the Christ, God's only begotten Son, the Messiah of the Jews, the one who shed his blood, who paid the penalty for our sins upon the cross, who died, but yet on the third day rose again to life. But listen to this. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf that we may become the righteousness of God in him. In other words, he made him be the guilty one. He became the guilt offering. God sent his only son to die, to take our place to pay the penalty that we could never pay. Why couldn't we pay it? Because we're not perfect. We're not holy. We would not be a perfect sacrifice. We couldn't pay for our sins because we continue to sin. But the only one who could pay that price was truly the Son of the living God, who is pure, who is holy, who is just, who has never sinned because he's God. So, you know, we began to realize that's why this whole message of hope is so important. Because I don't know about you, but I've, I realize more than ever before, as I talk to people each and every day, as I listen to what they're saying, I begin to realize that there are people after people that really, every human being, I could say, follows after Proverbs 14.12. In Proverbs 14.12, it says, There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. See, there are people who really believe that they somehow can earn, they can work, they can gain their way into heaven that they're going to be with God someday by what they do and what they don't do, by following their own set of rules and guidelines. But that's not how it works. As a matter of fact, Paul at one time, uh, he wrote it in the book of Romans when he was writing to the believers at Rome. Uh, he wrote in chapter 10 these words. He said, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. Well, what is God's righteousness? Well, God's righteousness is a person. That righteousness is found in His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. See, they're trying to seek to establish their own righteousness, but they don't, they're not righteous. That's what we learn in Romans chapter 3. There's none who's righteous, not even one. There's none who's good in the eyes of God. Because man is guilty. Man stands condemned before God. So they try to seek their own righteousness. They try to establish it. But they do not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God, again, is Christ. And how do I know this? Because of the next verse, verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. There's the answer right there. Jesus Christ is truly the righteous one. He is the one 
who is the end of the law. In other words, you can't go any further. If you, the law demonstrates that we're guilty, it demonstrates that God's holy and we're not. It demonstrates the need that we have for God to rescue us, for God to save us, to God to do something that only God can do because we can't do it. But Christ is the righteousness of God. And that is so important because in the gospel message is the righteousness of God. And that gospel message is the good news about Jesus Christ. And if we don't understand that or we're we're not sharing that message to people, then we're ultimately not bringing them the true biblical gospel message. Because the true biblical gospel message is a gospel message of hope. Because God gives us the right and the only way of salvation, which is through his Son, Jesus Christ. He gives us the only way that we can have peace with him. That is through his Son, Jesus Christ. That is why Jesus said himself very clearly and very plainly, and probably one of the scripture verses that causes a lot of people to become upset. But he says in John fourteen six, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. See, there is no other way. There is no other way for you who are listening to this podcast or anyone in the world to come to God the Father. Because if you try to establish your own righteousness or if you continue on the way that seems right to you, in the end, it's the way of death. It is not going to be pleasing to God. It's not going to be, it's not going to allow you to enter into that place where God is because you will not be forgiven. You, you don't have your sins cleansed. You're not reconciled. You, you're not at peace with God. It is only through his son, Jesus the Christ. That's why when the apostles, when they, after Jesus had resurrected and then uh, show, showed himself over a period of about 40 days to his disciples, and, and then he ascended back to his kingdom, to his throne, back to heaven. And the disciples, the apostles, went forward and began to preach the gospel message. We hear these words that are so plain and clear, once again, reedifying what Jesus said. But if you have your Bibles in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, you will see that Peter, as he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he begins to address the rulers and the elders of the people. But he says these words in verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other name. There's no other person. There's no other way. So today, as I get ready to end this podcast, I want to just challenge you and remind you that God's grace which comes from God, is bestowed by God, truly brings sinful men hope by promising them peace with God himself, but that peace is only found through his Son, Jesus Christ. It is found in no other way, no other means. And no matter what people may believe, no matter what people may want to hold on to, 
They're holding on to only that which ultimately, without any reservation or hesitation, will only bring them to a point in place of truly finding themselves facing the wrath of God, facing the condemnation of God, facing the penalty of sin. Their way will only lead them to death, to destruction. It will leave them away from God. It's not according to man and his ways. And I've met a lot of people over the years who really believe and sincerely believe that they will, you know, they've made an agreement with God. You know, they're okay, or when the time comes, they'll get right with God. They'll make their peace with God. The problem is, folks, it doesn't go that way. God says that peace with him comes only one way, and that way is through his Son, Jesus the Christ, his only begotten. And there is no other way. There's no other means. You cannot create a way. You cannot make a way. You can't make yourself right with God because every step of the way you will see based upon God and his word, you're guilty. That's not what God wants. God desires simply this, that all men would repent and put their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ, in him alone for their salvation, for their forgiveness of sin, so that they may have peace with God himself. There's no other way. And I have to say this about forgiveness. When you're forgiven by God, you're forgiven of your past, your present, and future sins, all of your iniquities, all of your sins. I've met so many people along the way who have struggled over the years because they really believe that their sin is so great the things that you have done. I tell people that ever since Christ has saved me, truly saved me, one thing I don't do, I don't go around telling people what I've done in the past because I'm so ashamed. I'm guilty, as guilty as guilty could be possibly. And I deserved God's condemnation, his just condemnation upon me. And when I look about the things I used to do and and how I lived, and even things that people didn't know about me. I'm ashamed. I'm like Adam and Eve in the garden. I want to hide myself from God. But the day that God truly saved me and gave me the gift of faith, and I put that faith, that trust in his son, Jesus Christ, and him alone, there is a peace that I now have with God. I am no longer under condemnation. I am no longer guilty, and I no longer live in such a way and a means in which I go around and, and I, I sense that guilt. There's, there's freedom. I have been forgiven. There is a load that is lifted off of me, and I, I find myself being able to, to just look to heaven and thank God for his grace, for his mercy, for his son, Jesus Christ. And there are times that the enemy will remind me of what I've done in the past. And all I can do is turn to God's holy word and truly remind myself that I am no longer underneath that condemnation. I no longer have to fear God. 
and fear what the future holds. But my hope is in his son, Jesus Christ. My hope is in what God has given to me and what God has done for me through his shed blood. That's why when I read Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and I, those words just sit there, and, they, and I find myself welling up inside with great joy, and yet I'm humbled because I realize it's not because of what Marty has done. It's not because of Marty and who Marty is or his last name or whatever. It's all because of God and his grace. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're no longer condemned. We're no longer guilty. He has forgiven me of all my unrighteousness. He has forgiven me of all my sins from the past, the present, and into the future. And though I may sin, and I do sin each and every day, I have a mediator, the go-between. I come to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, and I confess my sins, and I repent because I desire and I want to live holy and righteous before him by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the gift of God's grace that he's given me as a guarantee that someday I will be with him. And I could talk an awful lot about the Holy Spirit, but I would encourage you, I would truly encourage you to study the Word of God when it comes to the Holy Spirit, when it comes to his work. I'm no longer dead in my trespasses and sins. I'm no longer uh, alienated and, and away from God. But truly, I have, by grace, I've been saved through faith, and that not of myself. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one should boast. Though I was alienated, though I was an enemy, though I was against God, now he has adopted me. He has forgiven me. I am a child of his. And he has given the Holy Spirit as a pledge. That pledge, what it talks about in Ephesians chapter 1, that pledge that after listening to the message of truth, the gospel message of our salvation, having believed, it says we're sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge, a down payment of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Someday, when my eyes close in this world, my eyes will awaken to be in front of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to be in the presence of Almighty God in the bliss of the place called heaven, in a kingdom where there is no sin. There's no sorrow, there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no death. But to live in the glory of God forevermore. With my brothers and sisters in Christ from all around the world. That's my hope. Jesus said in this world we'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? Because he has overcome this world. Folks, I truly mean this. I hope and pray that this broadcast truly has been a blessing to you. And I pray you you'll continue to listen because we're not done with that that one word, four letters, hope. But we've learned about the H, we learned about the O, and we've learned about the P today. And coming next, we'll learn about the E. But continue to listen, I pray. You'll continue to listen to Study the Word podcast, and truly, please, tell others about this broadcast. 
Thanks for listening to Study the Word Podcast with Bible teacher Dr. Marty Minto. If you have questions in regards to today's study or any questions about the Bible and or spiritual issues, then email us at studythewordpodcast at gmail.com. We hope through today's teaching you have learned biblical truths so that you can teach others and defend the Christian faith. Tell others about Study the Word Podcast available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. Once again, thanks for listening to Study the Word Podcast with Dr. Marty Mento.